guy upstairs is fucking things up, huh? I can give them to you. And I guess not just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this week's party. Uh, this is Midweek Matinee, and I'm here with all of my friends. I, I didn't do a very good job. I'm going to restart. <laughs> <laughs> I tried real hard. I had that in my head all night, and I'm just not gonna go with it. It didn't. It didn't feel good. It felt like taking a shower with your creepy uncle. It felt worse than that, actually. Did it feel like shower with your dad simulator 2018 or whatever? That's a good game. I've not played it, but for a dollar, I seriously thought about it. I've played it. It was, it was not worth the dollar. I mean, well, I guess it was. It's a bunch of naked Dude, men in a shower. Honestly. Just reading all the reviews was worth my dollar. Like, I, I should have bought it just because mm-hmm. it was endlessly entertaining. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they were all in the shower, and they were all barefoot. Speaking of being barefoot... Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Welcome to Midweek Matinee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Welcome to Midweek Matinee. I am your host, uh, Chris. Fuck, man. I can't host the show. I don't like hosting. You're overthinking it, man. <laughs> okay, hold on. <clears throat> hey guys welcome to the show fuck red dead redemption 2 and also also fuck the belco experiment this is midweek matinee where every week we have to make sure we mention at least one of those two things I'm chris figs uh otherwise known as the number one hater of the belco experiment yes that's exactly right i have a placard in my room yeah it's a youtube plaque <laughs> We're not 000. even on YouTube. That's fucking impressive. <laughs> Hundred thousand fuck Belcos. <laughs> I get my plaque from YouTube, and it's a Belco experiment logo. Yes. So, well, Brett, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I've got to say, Chris, welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's going on? It, it was a long, dark winter without you. Yeah. How was the? I missed the warmth of your body. Yeah. While um, I was watching, while I was watching little Jewish boys. Oh, I, I can't, I can't continue with this joke. <laughs> that one's rough without context. Exactly. I, I was going to go forward, but I was like, you know what? There's nothing I can say that to anybody who was listening to this. Oh, man. Who did not listen to the last week. <laughs> Wait, y'all watched like, Die Hard as well, minute. right? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, did they watch Die Hard? What the hell are the Jewish boys in Die Hard? No, I watched uh, Rabbi Hard. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, I'm Brett Beck. Uh, yes. Nice to meet literally everyone in here for the first time ever. I'm a uh, a recovering addict of dumb jokes. Oh, okay. So, um, whoever wants to go next is. I get. I don't even know because we didn't technically introduce yourself. You gave me like a. I feel like it was kind of like a Florida accent. I was honestly <laughs> trying my best to just go with what I felt like was a deeper back end. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if my... I, f- I feel like your voice is lower than mine, but because you hear your own voice way differently, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I guess that would be up to Blake and Joshua to let us know who has the deepest voice on the podcast. (laughs) Who has the deepest voice on this podcast, guys? I just want to clear that up real quick. (laughs) Josh, why don't you introduce yourself and give us an answer? Who has the deepest voice? I mean, it's definitely me without context. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, how's it going, guys? Fucking. It, it feels like we're 30 years into 2020, but yes. you know, every it week's does. a new adventure. So at this point, whatever it is, Killer Hornets, Dust Bowl 2020, I, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting ready for the aliens. Mm. I feel like I feel like we stoked a fire when <laughs> we pretended that we were going to liberate them from the Area aliens? 51. Yeah, the aliens, oh. right? Because we were all supposed to charge Area 51 and they can't kill us all. They, exactly. They, and that's the <laughs> thing that really was will. <laughs> a, lo- a logical fallacy of that entire thing because <laughs> they have turrets. Like, <laughs> sorry, they can and very likely will. It would kill be us all. it would be very funny for four seconds. And then all the Naruto run stops because the turrets are active. <laughs> because the whole area is now a glass parking lot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Blake, how'd you like the movie? We watched Die Hard this week. Yeah, I actually really liked it. It was my first yeah. time watching it, ever. Yeah, I, um, I knew that. It's one of those that the reputation was so high that I just was like, eh, I'm probably never going to watch that because I don't think I'll ever enjoy it as much as everyone else seems to. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... It's a very good movie, but it was Did not a you? Christmas movie. I stand by that. Okay, so that is a perfect segue because <laughs> the only thing we're going to talk about this week is that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. It has everything oh to do with God. Christmas. Oh, my God. We're go- Okay. I'm cracking my <laughs> knuckles. Crack, crickety, crack, crack. Okay. What? <laughs> How? How does it have anything to do with Christmas? I mean, okay, it has listen. like a little to do with Christmas. Listen, like, no, hey, okay, don't it ha- forget, just be- it's almost Christmas. Just because end, it has it. snow doesn't mean it's Christmas. If that's the case, then fucking that um, Michael Fassbender movie about the snowman killer, is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. As long as it's taking place on Christmas Eve and constantly references the fact that it's Christmas Eve. That, no, that's so dumb. Uh, okay, so defining question. I don't does, like that. Does a Christmas movie have to like embody and try to like share like the spirit of Christmas to be a Christmas movie, or can it just take yes. place at Christmas? It needs to be yeah. a movie about Christmas, Christmas to me. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. This is like, an action movie that takes place at Christmas. That is a different thing. Wh- where do you place Home Alone? That's what I was about to say. Not a Christmas movie, right? I mean, I oh, that is very much a Christmas okay. movie. Well, first off, I should I shouldn't speak because I haven't seen Home Alone in. I'm gonna, just going to say 18 years. Probably so um, watch it; it's really good. It holds up. I, I like it still. <laughs> I remember liking Home Alone, but I don't remember much about Home Alone. The only thing I know about Home Alone at this point in 2020 is that Donald Trump is in the movie. <laughs> one of them that's the only thing i know about home alone he's in and home alone too lost in new york that's, that's, that, i didn't even that's not even the same movie so it <laughs> also he is in uh he's in the stands as waldo aloysius johnston the third's dad in the 1990s little rascals movie yep oh man he's the weird trivia for dad. you is that a real also thing? Yes, yeah he's the douchebag exactly kid's dad yeah. <laughs> the real rich kid that's like an asshole to everybody. Yes. Like he's and, his then, dad. Uh, and then Whoopi Goldberg is also in there as uh, Buckwheat's mom. <laughs> I love Little Rascals. It's a fantastic movie. One of the absolute best movies of the 90s. Okay. 
so Josh, what is your take? Is this movie a Christmas movie? I I have a hard time deciding. Initially, uh, this being my first watch of the movie and me being, you know, a little tired of the joke of, oh, dude, my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that shouldn't, you know, sour my take on the movie itself. So I was trying to be open about it. I was kind of leaning either way. I'm almost inclined... <sighs> It's hard to say because the thing that would put it over the edge for me if I felt decisively that it was is mm-hmm. that the music throughout the movie adopts themes that we hear on the radio or that we hear Hans like singing to himself and then it, it those themes appear in the actual soundtrack of the movie and I think the use of that and how frequent it is could push this into Christmas movie territory for me but it's it's still murky. So I know that I came in and said it has everything to do with Christmas, but actually that was just to keep the joke alive. I I am right there in Josh's territory. When someone looks at it and says to me like Die Hard's a Christmas movie, I don't I I can't really argue. I think it just comes down to a gut feeling, mm. you know. I think it's like you either watch it and you get a Christmas be you know spirit mm-hmm. bubbling up in your gut, or you watch it and you're like fuck, this is just a movie that's set during Christmas. Which I mean, and that's the sure. other thing is it is hard to define exactly what makes something a Christmas movie because I feel like there's so many movies that I kind of consider movies that we typically watch during the christmas period mm-hmm. now whether that inherently makes them i mean partially because it's the only time it gets even remotely close to snowing around here yeah, okay <laughs> which even then most of the time it doesn't just because of where we live um so maybe it's that maybe it's like in certain movies that take place in that cold climate i get a natural christmasy vibe because i know this is probably going to sound like the weirdest thing ever and i don't even think it's nearly as close to being a christmas movie as this is uh but max keeble's big move <laughs> not okay. Max, not, sorry, not Max Keeble's big move. I'm thinking of a, a, a very similar movie, uh, but Snow Day. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know why my brain, I guess because school kids, I don't know. But Snow Day or whatever where the kids are off because it snows. Sure. It, just something about that movie is just like, well, okay, I guess my brain, because at least where I live, is like so glued to the idea of like, if you're really lucky, it gets cold and snowy around Christmas. So my brain's like, yeah, it's Christmas, bro. Hmm. Right, okay, well regardless of the fact i think we're going to go through a structured debate on why this is not a christmas movie and the (laughs) the thing is okay i believe that there are specific themes in christmas movies right you have family which this does have Mm -hmm. you have you know gifts i guess that wasn't a theme Uh, (laughs) you're telling me this doesn't have gifts he drops c4 down an elevator shaft he does that is true and Merry fucking Christmas is the whole building. That is a fact. He also gives I, the cop I, the gift of uh, self confidence. He does. <laughs> he does. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like there is a very strong argument to be made that with the right person, with the right care, they could easily make most people be like, "Fuck, this is a Christmas movie." Yeah, but uh, explain to me how because. I said the right person with the right care. <laughs> I, I don't care that much. I, I do. I just feel like there's enough supporting evidence that if somebody really wanted to dig into every little frame and, and part, that it's like, okay. Because, like, okay, why the fuck does the movie's credits roll with a Christmas song then? Because of the setting. Yeah. It's to ground it. Yeah. Okay. But. Well, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. But if 
a movie took place in the spring, you wouldn't call it an Easter movie, even if they put an Easter song. Are there Easter songs? I don't know. Something I don't know. About a, but something more about Jack, Jack Rabbit. That depends. That depends. Does the movie feature iconic imagery from the from the holiday? If a movie's set in spring, but it doesn't say shit about the Easter Bunny or reference it in any way, right, shape, right, or form. Right. Here, I, I'm going to pitch you something, right? So we pitch have. It to me, Daddy. We have a, a family gathering. They're all it's a very rich family. They all go up into the hills. Picture like knives out at Easter. Mm-hmm. And the matriarch of the family is murdered while they're doing the Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's evidence lining the Easter egg hunt, right? Everywhere there's eggs, there's evidence. The knife was found by the blue egg, you know, mm-hmm. a bloody glove was found by the red eggs. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Is that a Christmas movie or an a Easter Christmas movie? movie? An Easter movie. Uh, that I, I think it does get close to the same territory as here, but I think the one thing I'd need to see specifically uh-huh. uh, is, and I think it's hard with Easter because as far as at least where I live, I don't know of one, but yeah. if there was an Easter catchphrase that was actually – uh, you know, and like that was used and specifically kind of went toward the maybe. Yeah, I mean, I again, guess. And I really think one of the biggest scenes about all of this is that there's a lot of things that kind of try to pull together to, to work. I mean, clearly it's set in California, which is not known for its snow. Um, <laughs> sure. But if you kind of notice at the end of the movie when everybody's coming out and gathering around, the papers are kind of flying from the building like an artificial snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, to an extent. So I again I, I clearly think that even the filmmakers themselves had a real effort put in to do some things that made it Christmassy mm. and let alone the choice of putting it during Christmas because otherwise that's the real argument. Otherwise why the hell did it matter if it was Christmas? Yeah, I guess to me the only reason it matters that it's Christmas is because that's the only reason he's going to LA. Yep. Right, like he's invited to that party because it's a well, Christmas then, party yeah, so and he can see his kids. If, but if you're going to do that, then we need to go through and just suspend disbelief of everything that happens in the movie because the chances of a cop happening to be the one person in an event and that he wouldn't be seen and all these things that happen are essentially the same suspension of disbelief that you have to have for a bunch of other movies that you eventually just kind of yeah, go, okay, I'm over it. I'm, I'm into the movie now. It doesn't really matter what's going on. I'm not suspending disbelief. That's just me saying that it's just happenstance that he's in LA because it's Christmas. If it well, wasn't yeah, let's Christmas, let's just say this, right? You could you could also look at it and say, well, maybe that's why they're having this get together. But the movie kind of addresses that and says, oh, well, we're having a get together anyway because we just closed a big deal that was pretty much entirely because of his wife. So sure. maybe he's coming to visit his wife because she had a real big thing going on, and they're still trying to figure out whether he's going to move there or she's going to come back, and whether he's supporting her and all these different mm. things. You could you could easily, easily have removed the Christmas element from this movie, and the all of the movie would work if you didn't choose to do all those things. I disagree. But I why? Because the whole thing at the end is him realizing his mistakes of not supporting his wife of not being there when she wins so he's not going to go there for a party just because she she made the sale if anything he's more likely to not go so the fact that it's christmas they're having this get together and he his kids are there so he has to go to there for christmas that's why he went i don't think the movie works at least in that sense like him reconciling that? I don't know. I still I still clearly think it could just be that 
this you know again if you just remove the christmas element and ride it to the fact that he was coming not even because of the big thing <laughs> even though the the big event kind of gives him yeah. <laughs> anyway the, the big event that they're running through you know because the, the one thing that you do have to do is have a reason as to why this late at night this is the only floor of people who are here which mm. you could easily just do by saying oh there was a big sale that's why we're all here uh and you can just have it to be where he's just doing one of his first visits in six months because he hadn't seen them in that long and he was coming to visit his family. You don't have to have the Christmas angle, but they clearly wanted it in there, which I feel like comes down to the fact that they wanted this movie to at least to some people vibe out as a Christmas movie. And of course, you can't understate the novelty of being probably the first action movies set during a notable holiday that has imagery and music and all these things that you can tie in. Um, which I guess leads me to my first, one of my first things really about the movie uh, is just it's out of, it goes out of its way in a really cool way and I really appreciate it, but yeah. it goes out of its way to give itself character and charm that is very rarely present in action movies mm-hmm. to me at least modern day. I feel right. like the choice of having him not wear shoes the majority of the movie because of the happenstance of when they come in is when he's cleaning himself up uh, and he can't just address it I love how the movie was like oh, of all the terrorists I have to kill you have smaller feet than me but then he never checks a single other terrorist that he kills yeah which you would think he which, would which is funny and I appreciate that because it gives it charm and then it plays somewhere else into the plot like the choice to shoot all the glass out in the uh, in the scene so that they knew it would make it hard for him to get away slow him down uh, and very minimum very injure him in a way that would make him less of a threat which of course more or less succeeded so I feel like when you pull all of these things together you put the choice of putting it on Christmas Eve the catchphrases that he's saying a lot of references towards westerns the movie is trying to build up a charming and characteristic action movie world instead of just being another action movie and whether or not it matters at that point as to whether they wanted it to be a christmas movie if someone looks at it and says this is a christmas movie i just don't see how you can really take it away from them that i'll rest my case there yeah I, i guess my thing is that i i like arguing about things that don't aren't important so oh well in that case the Bethel really experiment is one of the best films of the generation <laughs> <laughs> so i think a big thing with christmas movies for me is at least like seeing people around a tree i guess some kind of celebration of christmas and that doesn't happen here you know there's no so, giving of gifts. There are there are millions of Christmas trees in this movie. I did. I'm talking about. You know what, man? I have a very hey, white American par- view of what a Christmas movie is. Okay. That whole office party. That whole office was gathered in solidarity around a Christmas tree in the lobby of the 30th floor. I didn't see anyone handing out Secret Santa presents. There was I didn't no talk see... of Christmas bonuses. Correct. I do want to say the biggest thing against it being a christmas movie is that its original release date was july (laughs) but you don't want to release during christmas that's you pulling away from the american family getting together and just having fun (laughs) you know what i mean that's why it's january it's a post-christmas movie so that you can look back on the christmas you just had and be like you know what christmas is a magical time (laughs) i really enjoy seeing uh saw in june brett (laughs) (laughs) anyway but the one thing that this movie does give in terms of gifts is hans gruber 
and Alan Rickman, which is what I want to talk about next. I really liked how he is probably one of the best villains of all time, in my opinion. I yeah. think okay. definitely the most charismatic. He was more fun to watch than Bruce Willis was, in my opinion. And, so uh, John, I knew John. this was going to be a little bit of a hot take when I come oh, in. Oh boy! I love Alan Rickman, and I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with Hans as a character. Uh, but having watched this movie before, but like over a decade ago, there was a lot of things that I either just completely forgot. I you know like I don't remember how intently I watched the movie last time. Um, but, you know, of course, throughout the last 10 to 12 years since I've seen it, I hear people constantly say, like, you know, Hans Gruber is one of the best villains in cinema history, if not even just artistic history. And I constantly think to myself, I go before watching it again, I was like, man, did I, I, you know, like, he was fine. He's good. Like, you know, uh, a likable in a way, in, in a very weird way, a likable villain uh, and not just you know not just murder happy you know like he has a little bit more depth than that Mm -hmm. but i was always like okay yeah you know i'm just gonna have to watch it again and i must have missed something and don't remember something and having watched it now alan rickman is a great actor as he always was and he's a good villain i mean he he serves the role well i don't see what it is about him that elevates him to top of the market from being honest for me, I think a lot of it has to do with... Because I don't think it's him alone. I think it's mm-hmm. him within the movie. I think, especially the way the movie's set up, it's very easily a movie with this sort of like flair and with this kind of tone could be mediocre. And mm-hmm. I think it's specifically his character performance and Bruce Willis's character performance that's like... They've got enough personality, they have enough specific ticks, and they're really good at yes-anding in the scenes that they have together, where it's just like, I don't know, something about it makes it more memorable. And I think part of it is like, I guess sort of similar to what we're talking about with like House of a Thousand Corpses, of something about this type of movie kind of sets the expectations a little bit lower, and I think that makes, in a way, I think that gives them more room to to shine in the moments where they do shine. Um, mm. And especially with like, while his German accent is inconsistent at best uh, (laughs) I think it is really cool how he uses it where he he goes into the American voice when he shows up and he pretends to be like a businessman and and there's the whole like you know the little bit of a fake out and like even though it's it seems kind of obvious and it seems like they already know who each other is and they're just playing along with it like moments like that and like I don't know I guess in hindsight, I have a harder time pinning down specific moments that feel like this is what puts it over the top, but it just feels like from the moment he shows up, like he catches your eye and he's just like, I don't know, he's always doing interesting shit in a way that doesn't feel like it's contrived or like he's trying too hard. He just is interesting, I guess. So I should just clarify, by no means am I saying he's not a fun villain to watch and that he doesn't help the movie. Mm -hmm. Every bit of that's true. I, I guess when I view it and I think I, I guess I should say the way I perceive the statement of Hans Gruber is one of the best villains is that he's a villain with depth and reason and like a well-built villain instead mm. he's just a really fun villain and I guess I the way that I perceive those two sentences are different I think that we're, he's pretty shallow in all honesty the movie doesn't do much to give him any depth he's yeah. just fun and witty and every me- every moment with him on screen is better for it yeah I don't- and i think all of that's agree i guess i just think that when i when i think of the of uh, the best villain i think of a villain that's got 
you know, that makes you like him in weird ways, hate him in other ways, sympathize with him while also disagreeing with him. I think that what makes a great villain to me when I think of it that way is someone who has more than just, I'm a bad guy who does bad shit. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, as fun as he is to watch, that's what Alan Rickman is as Hans Gruber in this movie. He's just incredibly fun to watch. There's no backstory given as to really anything as to why he would be doing it. Uh, he's he's saying all these things about their greed and kind of postulating, and then you just find out in the long run it is just him being a very good thief. Well, in the long run, I guess not because he got stopped. But, you know, it, it, he, he doesn't have a lot of depth. I mean, I'm about to say something crazy. Thanos in Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is one of the, I think, no hate to the movies, but they're not just like some pinnacle of cinematic writing. I think that they have a far better villain than Hans Gruber. But Hans Gruber is infinitely more entertaining, uh, even though I do think Thanos is a decently entertaining villain. But go ahead. I I have a lot of things to say about the insane things you just said, but I'm going to let Blake speak first. Blake, what do you think? How do you feel about Hans? Um... I don't really feel strongly one way or the other. I really enjoyed seeing Alan Rickman in another movie, but mm. I didn't like fall in love with the character. I didn't hate the character, so yeah. Excuse me, I had to clear my throat. But um, stop sucking all that dick. <laughs> <laughs> or do but more. They, uh, I'm gonna what do more. spider webs in your throat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I can't really like formulate a really strong opinion either way because i just thought he was good i guess i don't know hmm. yeah i guess so my big thing that i take umbrage with is that he has no backstory and that he's I didn't a say none, character but he doesn't have backstory that makes him more interesting as a character okay but i think it's just a matter of they <clears throat> they showed you they didn't tell you because if you you know he's you know he's brilliant you they talk about what he does in his spare time very sparingly he does all his research he reads magazines they give Mm -hmm. you enough to convince you of who he is and again a competent villain looking at why what their motivations are that's what i'm kind of looking at and that's why i wanted to clarify because i think those are two different things yeah but i mean his motivation is shallow but i don't know that that makes him a shallow character i don't think he's necessarily a shallow character he's just not deep enough to win over my personal best villain in all of cinema history uh, you didn't watch you didn't watch last week but i would actually argue uh that um max yes max from last week when we did once upon a time in america was an infinitely more interesting bad guy because he got time, effort, and motivation. As you, you see where he came from and mm-hmm. why he would eventually be the way he is. And it's fine that Hans doesn't get that in this movie, and I don't even expect that from this movie. I just think that, personally, from hearing it, I think it's very... I, I personally would find it very disingenuous to say he's one of the best villains ever crafted. But yeah, I guess if we're looking at it more from just he's one of the most fun villains, I do think he starts to get really high up on the list of like sheer absolute fun, everything he does. And he is a brilliant and smart person, even if he's shallowly explored. Whatever, that's fine. He's still fun and he's a great villain because of that. But he's not a great villain from a character build standpoint. And I yeah, think that that's I, what I've always taken it as. So it could just be a perception thing. I've, I've taken the sentence in the wrong way, very likely. Yeah, I mean, I guess because my thing I was going to respond with is just like, I think I would 
would rather watch Hans Gruber than most other people. Mm. And I think that's the Fair. thing yeah. that Fair. puts him above it. In your definition, right, I would put someone like Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards over him. Yeah. Exactly. But I would rather watch Hans Gruber. Like, if you gave me Inglorious Bastards, but it's Hans Gruber, <laughs> that's a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Christoph Waltz because he was great. He won his awards, I, so fuck it. Actually, he. But, I would. I would say that short of Alan Rickman, and uh, I, I do think Christoph Waltz is a fantastic actor, and I think that he does that character a lot of justice. Yeah, I mean, like, I, like I'm saying, like I think just as like a, a villain, you could probably take almost anyone in Tarantino's um, filmography and say they're a better villain than Hans Gruber. And I but think I, it'd be true. Yeah, I guess, but I I still think I, again it, I should clarify by by my definition. Sure, but yeah. I think the 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 fun factor is what puts him above uh, just above it. Like Die Hard is a, I guess it's also the movie in general where I think Die Hard is a more fun movie than half of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. Once Upon a Time is is brilliant, but I, that movie <laughs> is too much for me i would go watch it it's, i've watched it twice and i don't ever want to see it again even though i'm sure we'll watch it for the show yeah well look i should say I, I it is a slightly unfair comparison because they're very different movies and trying to do very different things uh and to once upon a time america's credit at least the version that we watched had almost four and a half hours right. to do what it did <laughs> Yes, uh, and this did that, and a little under half of that. But also, shout out to an action movie having an over two hour runtime that yeah, I really yeah. do think uses itself mm-hmm. well to build the movie into something far more memorable than memorable than most action movies. I think comparing this to Lethal Weapon, this movie is so much better than Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon has its moments, and of course, it's it's iconic for its own reasons. But this is a much better movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably at the top of its sect of the action genre, right? Like, I don't know exactly if, where you'd put it in there. Well, I guess it, put it up there with Happy Gilmore. Them, <laughs> do we consider this to be a a police action? Thr- like, what do we what do we call that? Because like a lot of these movies are focused around feds and police and all that stuff. Even something that you look at in a very different way, but still uh, kind of like the town where it's like. A lot of the movie is based off of the play between the bad guys and the supposed good guys. I, I don't know. I don't. I just think cop is a really ex- good excuse for why this person has skills. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And, and I, don't, I think that's why so many movies lean on it, right? Yeah, because there's nothing outwardly. I mean, I guess like if we want to go stereotypes, there's a lot outwardly copish about Bruce Willis. But in that movie, if you told me he was a firefighter, I would believe it just the same. You know, <laughs> I don't think him being a cop matters at all, other than the fact that he comes out and he's I'm Officer John. And I guess it does help the next movies make him into a superhero. You know, it gives him the it gives you those like oh he trained for this kind of rah rah which. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's really a cop movie. Mm, fair. Although it does have that classic line, I forget exactly how he delivers it, but when he's uh when he's beating up the the jacked muscular dude with glasses, I, I don't like the first dude who dies who gets his like shit written on his shirt. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Carl's when he's brother. like yeah, that's what Carl's we will call him. <laughs> <laughs> when he's fighting him and the dude's like, Oh, you're a cop, you're not gonna do this and like yeah. I forget how he phrases it, but he says something to the effect of like it's just such a stereotypical like uh, 
bad boy cop line of like that's what the captain told me that's what he said yeah yeah that's what the captain used to tell me He's just like Ugh, i'm over the edge i'm not accountable yeah. to anyone like that got into like 80s like cop movie tropes but yeah I, I, that's the only instance that i can think of where it really felt like those other movies where the rest of it i agree kind of is distinctly something else and it almost mm-hmm. reminds me more of like it's weird watching something like this it feels like it's got like its foot in both camps of like the super over-the-top 80s action movie and like there's a lot in this movie that's similar to born i think as far as like obviously like the craft is different just from the passage of time but like there's so much about it that's very similar where it's this one guy and a lot of it is into ingenuity as opposed to just sheer you know bullets and spray and pray type shit yeah Mm -hmm. it's not like arnold schwarzenegger action movies yeah right although you know, a, a lot of Schwarzenegger movies do have their catchphrases, and this one has two of them. <laughs> and yeah, I love both of them. Clearly, I love one of them. I, I'm, I'll probably put it at the end of the episode, but I can't introduce podcasts. So I start this thing trying to do a welcome to the party, pal, and then I just fucking <laughs> came all of piss all over the floor. It was awful. But <laughs> if you have that one, which I love, I use that all the time. And then you have obviously Yippee Kaye, motherfucker, and. <laughs> I have to bring up the catchphrases because I don't know when else naturally we're going to bring those catchphrases up, but the catchphrases are fucking great. Yeah. Hell yeah. All of them are. Is. And they make the movie much more memorable. And, and oh, yeah. Again, all of the charm aspects go towards making this movie go from something that could have been run-of-the-mill action to mm-hmm. just being like, this is just oozing with weird... Like everything. Like, you know, instead of having him just be the, the badass, I, I like the choice of like, well, he's clearly outnumbered and a lot of the times that really does get to him but if it's not for his actual ingenuity he wouldn't make it out of any of this yeah mm-hmm. like there's ingenuity mixed with some skill mixed with some luck all together just in Definitely. a pot um but before we get too much away from it it's gonna date the episode just a hair but i think it is very interesting that this movie was chosen because we've delayed recording yeah. by almost a whole week this movie and how we landed on it was chosen before the world i think is probably the best way to say it now yeah uh has gotten into uh you know all the rioting and and protest and all that uh, about police and police brutality and Mm -hmm. it's interesting that this movie brushes up on some of that yeah uh, inadvertently because you know and it's it's it's, we didn't choose the movie because of anything going on it was chosen literally the day before i think the uh the george floyd stuff really hit uh if i remember correctly so yeah it's uh very interesting watching it it was almost impossible not to watch it with that nugget in the back of my brain and being like this is really interesting that we landed on this uh at this point i was i was gonna avoid this specific scene we can cut it if you don't no 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 no, no. i'm fine talking about this i I was gonna avoid talking about the scene the last scene of the movie Mm. because but Mm, i think mm -hmm, now that we've brought mm -hmm. it up we should definitely talk about it Yes. Because uh, we, we, we we didn't want to say much on Twitter, but we do obviously stand with everybody protesting for the George Floyd death. And that last scene was not great. <laughs> specifically to watch now, where I get what they're trying to do. And really until now, like in my head, I'm like, ah, whatever, it's fine. It was just part of this movie. But then when your triumphant moment of the movie specifically right now while people are rioting or not i'm sorry i shouldn't use that word protesting in the streets over what's going on 
where you're big he's he's back he's gonna be a cop again is to just shoot a dude yeah <laughs> well it's like okay <laughs> i'm like I, I get it i agree while also thinking i agree that it's very interesting to watch that under the context of what's going on right now uh and very interesting timing for it to happen naturally yeah. um but i also got to give the movie a lot of credit for building towards that moment and making right. sure that in that moment there is no ambiguity as to whether or not that was the right thing to do um, yeah and, and again I, I it's odd to me in watching this movie that released in late 80s mm-hmm. uh, just how forward thinking it was on a lot of stuff yeah uh, that was actually one of my first notes it's like you keep seeing parts of the movie it's like okay they're kind of just showing a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. I still think by the 80s was sometimes considered uh, rare in movies. Like, you know, having a strong female who comes in and she has her own wit and she's just as smart as her husband in a lot of ways, making sure she hides her identity so Mm -hmm. that if they ever see her husband, there's no chance for that to be uh, an issue, which, of course, it becomes one later because of uh, another interesting thing of media overreach. Yeah, yep. very forward-thinking movie. Yeah. Uh, also, having it to be where I, I liked that she was climbing up the chain and he couldn't handle that, and that became one of the big plot points of the movie is like him realizing that it was wrong to stand in the way of her progress as an individual uh, woman. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that they go out of their way to make like the the, the brilliant computer hacker guy a person <laughs> of color. Yeah. I felt like a, a lot of things were done uh, making the the primary. Color that we first see at least in terms of the actual uh, local police department there so the LAPD in this movie having it be uh, a person of color as well uh, mm. which also shout out to my boy Carl Winslow he has come <laughs> so far since Family Matters <laughs> so far but uh <laughs> Either way, that that was just an interesting thing for the movie. So watching it despite what's going on I actually think it handled every bit of it and it, of course, it's, it doesn't make it just, you know, it's not like we're talking about it, like we're glorifying it. But even that yeah. last scene that I think would otherwise be problematic, the way they built toward it and had him so, so much remorse for the fact that he had done something and that he had self-relegated himself down to be out of that position of power so that he could not abuse it just to have to pull it out to make sure he saved the lives. I thought it was really well done. It was and well done. I agree with that. It could have easily in an action movie, too. It could have easily been sloppy and stupid and just cop pulls guns shoots guy right it was for me it was almost like the fact that they went into the backstory that made Mm -hmm. the ending bad you know not not bad in the sense that it didn't work in the sense of just in context in my head where i'm like oh shit (laughs) um Mm -hmm. it was just like oh i shot a kid you know and it's it's the typical fucking dumb conversation we all have where i had in my head the first thing i thought was i'm so glad that that character is black in this movie <laughs> you know because <laughs> it changes the but it's it's funny but like i genuinely don't mean that as a joke because i think this movie takes on a maybe a heavier con- connotation but i think it also goes into areas that make this movie almost entirely different you know which is yeah. i think it's really helps the movie and in, in, in right now it really helps me kind of sit better with it mm. because specifically if right now if this this white cop who shot a kid and now he's here and he shoots another dude and that's his triumph moment it doesn't work nearly as well for me watching yeah. it today yeah that, that's that's a good point and it's a weird thing to have to say though because it's right i thought the exact same thing of mm. oh you know it's really 
uh, I don't, you know, who knows why they did it at the time. Um, if it was because they just liked the actor the best, which I, I'm a big fan of that, choose the person who's right for the job. Sure. Uh, but also, if you specifically wanted to write it as a black character, then I'm all for that as well. I mean, write right. the characters you want, cast them how you want. If there's no automatic person uh, color to, you know, none of that, like race doesn't come into the character, and you just let the actor's race kind of fill that role, I'm fine mm-hmm. with that as well. But it was really, yeah, it, it could have been a lot. It wouldn't be tone deaf, because again, you can't, put that on a movie that was recorded right. so it's long bo- it would have been borderline tone deaf of us <laughs> it would have been it would have been tone deaf to the current events and not that right. that matters because tone deafness matters about context of release uh, yeah but you know it would have been really interesting watching it just because we're in the thick of it right now uh if it was something else i think you know you do have the thing in your mind of like well if he shot a kid why is he even still on the force at all why is he not <laughs> you know and, yeah, and right. it does it it's 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 interesting because i mean honestly speaking for me i don't it, i don't think that color or race or any of that stuff should matter as to why they get punished away but right. because of what's going on right now it's easy for your brain to be like well you know the the white guy who's been and part of it's because we've been seeing a a multitude of white people being at the hands of of someone who was innocent's death uh due to just excessive force (laughs) so when you look at that it, it is hard to dissect those and there's a million things that can be said about that media because of course there is going to be times where people are killed wrongly uh that is not a person of color who's getting killed or not a person or not a white person killing the person you know it's it's all that stuff comes together uh but it is very interesting that at least where we are right now it is more palatable to see a person of color play that role than if it was someone else i I guess to be respectful of like the character and you know the subject that we're talking about i think it's easier to empathize with a black character in that role because you have to imagine like uh and again i don't think the movie is expecting us to look too deeply into it but there's the possibility that like you know you see that character and you wonder like shit like he probably feels like he failed to do the thing that he was trying to do in the first place which was Mm -hmm. to be to be the model improvement to be the good cop that would do things differently because mm. you know it's very possible and i'm not going to speak for anybody of course but like i've known people personally who've been you know black and joined armed forces or joined the police with that specific intent of like no i yes. want to try to change this dynamic i want to try to change the relationship between my community and the police and i want little kids to see me and be like okay they're not you know just a bunch of white people out to hurt me but they are out to protect me and they understand mm. my problems mm-hmm. um so I could see that being, you know, some consideration for the character, but obviously the movie is uh, very surface level and very quick, so that's not like a thing that we dwell on. But that that was a thing that was in my mind watching all of that unfold was just like, you know, I, I think the way he acted it made it seem like that was possible, at least going on in his mind somewhere, uh, which made me kind of empathize with him more when he shared that about himself and just like, fuck, man, that that would suck to be in that position for him. Well, and I also like that it was framed, at least from him, uh, as the movie wants to do it, that it was him who chose to put himself in the backseat and remove himself. Uh, like Not that he was told he had to, but rather that he couldn't bring himself to be in the position to where he could make that same mistake, which is like a good, uh, it's, it's like a good anecdote for just, you know, self-accountability and self-responsibility. It's like, yeah. you know, we're not saying that people can't make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes, but it's what are you doing in response to the mistake that helps you to either know that 
that you're moving forward in a way that you're less likely to make that stake or impossible for you to make that mistake. And of course, he had relegated himself to where if I if you know if I'm in a position where I don't need to be in doing anything where I would have to potentially pull a firearm, then I don't have to worry about accidentally injuring someone who maybe didn't deserve it or you know any of that stuff. So. Mm. interesting interesting choice for sure i thought that was Mm. uh again i think the the movie handles it really well when it wasn't even trying to handle anything at what's going on today though not being alive in the late 80s i am curious definitely with the choice of california because the movie kind of keeps going fucking california man (laughs) which you can take as just a new york guy going to the other end of the of america and being like whoa shit's different uh or you could take it as maybe like there was some stuff going on in california that this movie touched on that we don't have the context for i don't know i mean i i doubt it but i guess it's possible you know i don't think most people would think without looking into it that james cameron made a conscious statement and decision with making uh the term the, the you know in terminator 2 making the t100 or whatever the model number is um t2000 i don't know can't remember uh, but making him a, a an lapd officer Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, um, in Terminator 2, didn't Terminator 2 come out a uh, similar time period? What is that, mid to late 80s? I believe you are correct on that. You so, want to. I just. I, I, who knows? Yeah. I, I know there is that, that comment from James Cameron of like him kind of spending time with police officers and getting. Early 90s. He, he had like. He had some incredibly candid, negative shit to say about his experience with law enforcement. And it, it might have been for that movie. I, I think it was, but. I'm not exactly familiar with the date of the quote that I'm thinking of. Is it the quote that mentions that they put them, they view everything, everyone that's not a cop around them is lesser than them? Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's specifically in relation to Terminator 2. So I want to let Blake chime in because I feel like he hasn't <laughs> spoken. Blake, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about the topic we've been discussing? <laughs> <laughs> I have too been talking. Basically, everyone kind of summed up my thoughts, which is why I really didn't chime in a whole lot because I didn't have much to add. But, I mean, with, I pretty much agree with whatever Brett said about the end of the movie being perfect, the way that it was planned out from the beginning and then working towards the end and such. But, um, I mean, yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, Blake. Right. Uh, no, I'm talking with you. Um, no, I, I, I don't think we would be having this conversation. Okay, let me rephrase. We obviously would not be having this conversation if there wasn't factors playing into it but it would have been a little disingenuous not to have this conversation so i'm glad that we kind of went into it um yeah other than that i just like i guess we should just move on to talk about some of our favorite scenes uh blake why don't you start start us off quiet put me in the spot one after the other (laughs) (laughs) no um i think dropping the c4 down the elevator shaft was probably my favorite scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) i um you know the uh scene with the table when he's like on his back kind of like scooting back and the guy's shooting at him through the table or whatever yeah i yep. I absolutely love that and his like retort at the end i don't remember exactly what he said but it was really funny mm-hmm. i but, love that because it's not necessarily a, a it's not a catchphrase but it's just something about this movie is very quotable uh, yeah he he has his chance to kill the guy does it and so when the guy's running and it gets to the end of the table he says what are you going to do now end of the table and he says you know next time when you have a chance to kill someone you take it 
and yeah. then he just blows him aside. I was like, please hit him in the dick just because it yeah. would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't. It just somehow it went to the top of his thigh. So I have to assume that we just didn't see it shooting through the back of his leg and going up through the thigh. But yeah, good moment. The movie was surprisingly like, it wasn't gory, I guess, but like bloodier than I expected. I had the same thought, actually. Yeah. Because, I, like I said, I'd never seen it. So I always just kind of assumed that it. And I think the later ones were PG 13, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think I had assumed all of them were until I kind of looked into this before watching it and saw it was rated R. But yeah, like every bloodshot, like just had blood flying out of it and stuff. And I, I, I love that kind of shit. But um, hmm. everything I knew about this movie beforehand was from that Workaholics episode <laughs> where they like kind really? of make fun of the movie. Have y'all seen that? I have not. I have not. Oh my god! Of it. It's really good. Y'all should watch that. <laughs> so it's like, funny. That, it's funny that you say that because the one of the reasons that I didn't, te- I gave Blake a bunch of movies, and then he said he hadn't seen this one, so he chose this one. But the reason this was on my list of movies to watch is because I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, and that's like this mm. just huge thread in that movie is that the main character just loves Die Hard. Yeah, so, you know, we covered it. So it's funny. Interesting because Brooklyn Nine Nine is a New York Police Department person loving a character who was from the New York Police. Department. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, in the show, the reason he becomes man. a cop is because of the movie. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a whole episode where it's basically this. Oh, it's so good. I don't want to spoil a sitcom, <laughs> but. <laughs> I will not, but we can move on. Anyway, Brett, did you have any specific standout scenes? Um, I mean, God, there's so much in this so movie many. that I think is standout. Uh, I I was really surprised at some of the cinematography choices. Like, I was actually surprised. This is a fairly pleasant movie to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily next level, but you know, there's a couple of scenes when they're climbing up, uh, and of course, we don't find out until the end as to why it is. But when we see them kind of climbing up to that part of the roof where they're going between those two. Uh, panels and kind of climbing up and you see uh hans doing it to check on the c4 uh and then in the long run whenever all that stuff goes on as he's doing it and the camera has this like low pan behind him and shooting upwards uh you see like so i don't really know what you call it but it's like a because of the lighting that's in that area uh, most of it's dark and there's that one you see kind of like a, a glare like a ring glare come down and sign down mm. it was just a surprisingly like man that's kind of a pretty shot for a, a movie yeah. that doesn't need it you know i mean i i again I've, as i've said when like belco experiment and a couple of other movies we've watched that yeah. i don't think needed great scenes it's all in terms of from a cinematography standpoint it's always nice that when those are kind of just in a movie because it's like oh even though you're making an action movie you're doing a little bit more than just that you know what i mean um yeah so yeah um i'd, I'd say i mean i i guess going back to the ingenuity thread though the other thing uh that I just really liked because it also added plenty of suspense. But I just like it's fuck that's genius. Is mm-hmm. the whenever he's using the gun as a counter anchor for him to go down the shaft so he can get into the air vent. Uh, I just thought that was really cool. And I mean the tense, you know, the intensity of it unraveling from the gun as he's trying to do it. Of course, is a great addition. But it just goes to that thing of like it reinforces that he wouldn't survive this because. It helps you not have to suspend disbelief of like, well, how are 12 people not killing this one man? Funny, because his uh, entire strategy is like, 
the strategy for winning 1v3s in Apex Legends, where it's just, <laughs> you know, separate them out, get them one by one, don't let them heal. That's just how he played the whole movie. <laughs> and make sure that the first thing you do is kill someone's brother so that he's really pissed and becomes right. the next two penultimate bad right. guy. And then he's going to push a little too hard because he wants you and you're going to get him at the end. Oh, shit. I guess technically Carl is the penultimate bad guy because he yeah. is the last casualty. Yeah. Which also, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sorry. As, for yeah. as grounded as this movie can be at times, there's no fucking way that this man who is hanging and has been for minutes yeah. and then an explosion happens and he falls from essentially the top floor right. <laughs> to the bottom and he hops up like fucking Hulk on steroids? Nah. Ain't, nah. Ain't. Yeah, that was kind of like one of those, like, when Jason Voorhees hops out of the water at the end of Friday the 13th. <laughs> kind of just what all horror movies do. It's like, oh, you just switch genres on me for a second unnecessarily. Well, that does go back to something that I really appreciate for the movie, and i talk yeah. about it with a bunch of movies so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't feel like very often... You see action movies, definitely of this cali- caliber, you know, like very big, high piece action movies with like helicopter blow and explosions and all that, that uh, has so much attention to detail within every little bit of what's doing. As mm. dumb as any of them may be, every subplot in the movie, as small as it may be, has some bearing on the overall plot. You yeah. see the introduction of the news crew trying to go over there, and you kind of think, like, oh, this is just a weird subplot of a guy who is trying to get one up at his... It's, it's almost like the plot of Nightcrawler, just a little <laughs> less a little less sick and thrown into this movie with a guy like, yeah, fuck that Channel 5 guy. I'm about to get my comeuppance. Yeah. But then we actually see that come in and play a, a very big part uh, in the movie, in the plot-wise, and, and reveals the, the husband-wife relationship. Um I thought that was cool, stuff like that. I mean, even going as far as to have uh, Argyle be not only the comedic relief, but actually have a genuine purpose by the time the movie rolls credit. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. And then I love that he still ends as comedic relief. Like, his yeah. dynamic doesn't change. And I actually felt that from the get-go. I said, him being in this parking garage is going to matter in the long run. And I didn't actually remember that he was... So, yeah, it, it was interesting rewatching it because I did not expect that much attention to detail and they gave mm-hmm. every little bit of it and so, over, across a two hour runtime, congrats to them man they just they did it they did the damn thing so uh, i'm gonna let josh josh do you have any scenes that you particularly liked in this movie what did you think uh i'm trying to think of the dude's name the dude who was on coke throughout the movie uh, uh ellis ellen ellis so, his yes. whole thing with Hans where he was he was talking to uh he was talking to Bruce Willis's character on the walkie and just that whole because like he shows up and it just seems like he's like completely nothing behind the eyes just vapid salesman and then like the further it goes the more you get a sense that like does he kind of know that he's sacrificing himself but like it it doesn't totally make sense necessarily what his motivations are like because it seems like he's just trying to uh you know betray uh John but it I don't know. Something about it made it seem like there was more going on and there was like a little bit of like, I don't know, subtlety to it, but it stood out to me. I think that's the importance of him being on Coke, right? (laughs) I'm being serious. I mean, because I thought the same thing. Like when you're watching, you're kind of like, yeah, you know, it does seem like he's going to betray John, but then you start seeing what he's doing. It's like, oh, okay. 
Like he's in a weird way trying to help John, thinking that these aren't that bad of guys, so they won't kill him. Yeah. Mm. Well, that was the thing. Horribly wrong. Or maybe the reason he did that rail before he went in there was to give himself a confidence boost because he knew that there was at least a chance he'd get caught. He'd get shot. Yeah, I don't think he. I think it was that's why they showed that what was it hostage taker taker hostage or whatever or no mm-hmm. it was um, hostage terrorist terrorist hostage they showed the that book. guy yeah the book and they're talking about how I don't remember what they called it but it was basically Stockholm syndrome right where Helsinki syndrome yes Helsinki because I laughed that when he says Helsinki syndrome <laughs> and then the guy goes uh, as in Helsinki Sweden and I was yes. like Finland you dumbass and then the guy beside <laughs> him was like finland <laughs> yeah yep. um but i do think that's why they p- had that in there to kind of explain why he went in there because they talk about how some people start to trust the kidnappers and i think he went in there just thinking he wasn't gonna get k- killed i don't think he had any inclination because when hans takes the gun out he's like dude i'm not method acting put the gun away you know he doesn't go in there doing that yeah i think it's a fair point and I've, it goes back to my point of everything that gets introduced has a reason which right. also pl- pl- plays into the whole fbi follow the terrorist handbook thing yeah and that's why they make all the dumb decisions that hans is like we, we know what you're doing <laughs> right yeah um and this is a total throwaway moment i i enjoyed uh the other the, the johnson and the other johnson and <laughs> yes they were i'm always getting a little bit more mileage out of that joke yeah uh, and for whatever reason, it was like a weird throwaway thing that I'm sure isn't intended to be read into, but I just thought it was funny, the whole, like, just like in Saigon thing, and the dude next to him was like, <laughs> he wasn't like, he was down with the joke, but he was also like, I was in junior high then, man. Yeah. I liked, um, I did like them. They were yeah. funny. Did they die? Know, they, they did, yeah. Absolutely. They're, they got blown the fuck up. I thought they did, but they, I always figured there was a chance they might have flown away a little bit. <laughs> I'm really uh, sad for Johnson, baby. but I don't really care about Johnson. You know what I mean? So, yeah, F's Johnson's makers. a dick, but Johnson's <laughs> cool. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, please continue your thought on scenes. Honestly, I, I it's hard for me to pick. I enjoyed just the overall use of timing and suspense. I thought all of like the whole heist sequence was really well done. Like everyone had a job and everyone had a personality, and they easily could have not had personality, but they did, and I appreciate that. Um. And yeah, just uh, the hacker dude who was like busy and he always had like funny shit to say when they gave him screen time. And I, I just, I enjoyed a lot of the dialogue and the way it kind of built suspense and the back and forth of like, uh, you know, with John and with Hans and with the cop whose name I'm blanking on, the role of them being in constant communication on the same walkie channel is just super interesting. And I think the way it's used throughout this movie is like, it's like an all cards are on the table kind of thing, but they're still kind of like, uh, juking each other out, and it, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's interesting that they didn't, you know, magically find a way to communicate to get onto another, you know, frequency. I liked mm-hmm. that they kind of kept that line open. So it was like, yeah, we're we're just talking about our lives in front of you, Hans. It doesn't matter. That I was like actually a weird there. moment of where I couldn't suspend disbelief. Is like, why the fuck wouldn't you just change channels? <laughs> because and, how would they know which channel to go to? Dude, just just i mean you could probably do something they're cops anyway do you telling me that cops don't have some kind of signal of like hey you know we might be uh non-secure on this line you don't have to say that out loud you just say uh yeah we got a 1022 or whatever yeah but he does say that he says Mm -hmm. that when they first get on the call he's like yeah we're not alone hans is listening 
Well, you know? I know, but I mean, walkie talkies have multiple bands. Yeah, right. they're announcing that. Exactly. Tell Hans where to go to. Yeah, just but again, I, I just, again, suspic- and I'm not saying fully because I don't know. Of course, I'm not a cop, don't know any, um, or at least not any well enough to, to have asked him that. Uh, is like, are you telling? I feel like if I were a cop, being the person I am, or if I was in any kind of position that had communications like that through uh, walkie talkies and multi band things, I would have something to where when you're worried to think someone else might be listening in, it would essentially be code that only people who are then, of course, you still have a run risk of that. Where, but depending on who it is, you'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to say this throwaway line that anybody else who hears would just think it was like a weird thing I said, or like wouldn't take any umbrage with it at all. But it would let the other person know that maybe we need to try other channels and just keep going until you land on one where we can hear each other. I'm not yeah, saying it's, it's not like a make or break moment for me. It just felt weird. But like Josh said, I like that it played a bigger role in the movie. I just feel like right. the, the point of them not changing was just so that they could add that dynamic to the movie. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely fair. I just, there's a part of me that feels like if they had had some magic cop signal, it would have just made me mad. You know, but I get where you're coming from. Where realistically, cops would have a signal. What were you saying, Josh? They like start whistling to each other. Yeah, exactly. They're clicking tongues like the predator. Whistle in Morse code. Oh, we have to go to channel C ten X twelve. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah, I guess for me, my specific scene. We talked about most of them. The specific one I really like is the one with uh, I think it was Tagakaki. Nope, that's not how you say his name. The 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 Asian CEO, I guess, Jap- the Japanese man who dies. The scene of him going back and forth with Hans, I really enjoyed. Because it was your first look into what I really like about Hans, where he's really nice, and then he mm-hmm. switches on a dime, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're having oh, a very civil conversation when they're walking into the room, and then he becomes more and more kind of unhinged i guess and then yeah. just yeah. you know kills them which i think is just awesome that was just a really awesome progression of like you've you've out used your necessity you're done yeah. it's over oh i forgot to shout out uh hans's initial like kind of monologue as he's as he's looking for that guy where he's like announcing all of these details about him and he's, as he's walking through the crowd and shit and like mm-hmm. Just yeah, something yeah. about like his delivery and the way he's just walking so calmly and he delivers it like he's absolutely certain that he's in charge right now. Like, yeah. That whole scene fucking ruled. That that absolutely. scene did rule, but that was the only scene in this movie where I was like, Oh, that's Snape. <laughs> that was like specifically <laughs> it was that yeah. that like turn and father of five. Where like <laughs> it's like that felt like you know Potter, that kind yeah. of shit. It was the, it felt the same, but otherwise I could really kind of disconnect where it was Hans, not Alan Rickman. But that mm-hmm. was the one scene. I think that's also where they kind of start reinforcing that the wife Holly is a boss bitch because mm-hmm. she immediately like he's he's going ahead and trying to give himself up, and she immediately grabs his hands like don't move, like just yeah. let let it play out for yeah. a little while longer. Let's see what they know if they know it's you all these different things like let's just get a little more information before we freely give ourselves up what if right. they had a picture of him before going there like they you did all this planning for this heist and everything <laughs> you know what but the they're like, like the one person we need we forgot to look at a picture of him <laughs> and see well, and i i think that that's why she gives that moment of a pause of like well you know maybe they know very little 
and they're saying yeah. just enough to try and make somebody think that they already know who it is so that they'll give themselves up like oh they fucking know it's me but yeah. i think she's again maybe it's because she's in the movie she's supposed to be married to a police officer so she has that training or or, or you know what i mean that kind of back in like hey you know maybe we should wait and see um and of course the fact that she didn't see her husband maybe she was hoping that there was something involved there but i just thought that was interesting i don't disagree however i think you're thinking of it in a very 2020 mindset where i think this is an eight this is an 80s movie so how would they get a picture of him there's no internet at least not the same way i actually so, thought about that too but then unless where they get all the information I mean, I'm not clearly yeah. it existed, but if they went through the trouble get of getting pictures the information, of people from back then, you can have somebody recon and get pictures. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like, that's not the most surprising thing in this movie sure, to me, honestly. I and I wasn't saying the, like it ruined it. I was just saying no, that it's just kind of funny that all of this planning, yeah, everything about everything, but didn't know what the guy looked like. I guess. Yeah. So what to if he me, was homesick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. I don't know. To me, I think the most ridiculous part of that scene is that there he's saying a very Asian last name, and that room is filled with like three Asian guys and twenty seven white people, <laughs> and I feel like you could have kind of narrowed your options down a little bit, right? Like, I hope that doesn't come off really bad. Well, but no, like, look the around the room. Spends time with him getting close to each Asian person and kind yes. of giving him the eye of like, "Is it you?" <laughs> right. But even then, use context clues. There's one guy in a very good suit that you have two of. He's the one clean-shaven Asian they show us. It's like. How, you should just you should just pick this up. You're a brilliant man, and you don't just pick him out of a lineup, you know. I also a little bit got the impression that he was. It, it wasn't ever heavily implied that he knew for sure that it was him, but mm. I thought it was possible that he did know it was him, and he was just going around the room anyway to kind of like fuck a with him, tactic. just yeah. to see if he was going like, uh, like intimidation uh, tactics. Yeah, to see thing. if he was going to like step in and like defend his uh, defend his employees or not. Yeah. Which he was going to do prior to the wife being like, hold up, homie. Mm-hmm. So, But also, I agree with Blake. I think it was kind of a, or at least where I, where I think Blake was going to go with it, that it was kind of a fear tactic slash like set the tone. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to come in here and let you all know that I have this litany of information. So don't think, if I've got this planned out, imagine what else I've already planned out. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, it's definitely a sign of intimidation. So... Earlier, Brett, I want to go back to this because I had a thought where you were talking about how they show very small details in this movie, and it kind of clicked into my head of a comparison where this movie is the exact same as Batman Arkham Asylum. They're the same thing. Down to the degradation of him and his outfit by the end of the movie. So... I, I'm so glad you said this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking at all. Yeah. I, did, I, I almost turned to my wife and said it, but I was like, she doesn't fucking know what I'm talking <laughs> about. So <laughs> I didn't. But when I was playing it, I was like, air vents, elevator yep. shafts. Yep. Using your brain for everything. Yep. Only having to use your fist when, it, when you absolutely have to. <laughs> 
violently not, murdering not all of trying, your enemies. Well, not trying to kill people unless they're absolutely coming to you and there's no way to avoid it. I was like, man, this has just got like the weirdest Batman movie written all over <laughs> it. And the whole fear tactics and separating them out and killing them off one by one. Could you imagine if the Matt Reeves uh, Batman movie is just Die Hard, but Bruce Willis is in a bat suit the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope. He's in the fucking fence with the lighter, except it's like on his wrist. He's like fucking Selena, man. Okay, fucking so Selena I'm, stealing some shit. I'm glad you brought up the lighter because that's just one more little detail. If I love that Carl looked down and saw the little bit of light coming from the air shaft and was like, yeah. that mother." I just the movie's just oozing with detail that I feel like at least again the last decade or maybe even two decades of action movies do not bother themselves with. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the uh, things that set this movie apart because uh, you don't need any of them. <laughs> you know, this movie would have been just as good without, not probably not just as not, good. Yeah, but, but it would have worked. Yeah, you would have I, probably enjoyed watching it. It would have been right. fun still, but. I don't know. I feel like it would be one of those things where you feel kind of the same way about the movie because you don't know what you missed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of those know. things where. I think it wouldn't stick with you the same way. I think that by the end you'd be like, yeah, but then you'd forget about the movie quickly. Whereas I think yeah. that something about this movie is it's, it's got legs in your brain. It's got a lot yeah. of things that kind of make you linger and think yeah. and be like, you know what? I remember Die Hard. Like I can tell you the plot and pretty in depth because there's a lot of things they choose to spend time on and linger on and give detail to and frame properly that you can go, this is what this is. Unlike when you watch Transformers and you're like, what the fuck is the plot of Transformers? I don't remember. Yeah, actually, they need to get the all spark. Okay, you have <laughs> that's one, one that's... plot point. Do you mean anything else? Uh, Cars, Megan dude. Fox, they like uh, change. Megan Fox is sweaty the whole time, like that's... <laughs> in a sexy way, not like a dirty way. You know what I mean? It's both. Yeah. Oddly. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was about <laughs> yeah, to say. She definitely, she definitely gets dirty. She, it's Megan Fox. She's still hot no matter what. She'd be covered in pig <laughs> shit, and I'd probably still be like, "Oh, what's up." Have you ever seen have you ever seen her thumbs? I, I've avoided <laughs> that, but I've heard the I've heard the rumors. I mean, you know, you don't judge a person by their thumbs. I'm just saying it's, I a, do. it's an interesting They are the most important see. finger. They are, actually. They're actually not a finger, apart. but so I feel like I'd be remiss if I, I was waiting to see if anybody else brought it up. Mm. And maybe it's just because I find it overly funny and it wasn't to anyone else. But when he first gets out on the roof, and uses the uh, walkie-talkie to call on the channel for police that he knows is reserved for that. Uh, and when she's like, "Sir, uh, I've already said this line is res- is you know <laughs> is secured for yep. uh, for emergencies," and he's like, "Well, no shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza?" Yeah, I, that was very good. I died laughing. I had to pause the movie because I was going to miss because I just kept laughing for like three minutes. And I don't know why. Maybe it was just his delivery. Maybe it was the fact that they built it up a little bit with like the back and forth where he's like being calm and like trying to be professional and yeah. like, hey, this is the information you need. I, I, I understand what you need from this. It's, I know this channel exists for this reason. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to know. And her being like, sir, we don't give a fuck about your terrorist. We're just telling you. Uh, even if there's a small chance of what you're saying is true, you're not doing it on the right line. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was funny. Like, he's like, this is for serious yeah. calls if you have an emergency call 911. Like, no shit. Do you yeah. think I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> she even threatened him. Like, someone's good. We're going to, like, press charges and arrest you. He's like, good. The send them here. Call, call <laughs> the cops. Yeah. Just fucking send somebody here. Yeah. I do think that also kind of dates the movie a little bit because post-2001, if you whisper terrorist into the fucking wind, 
people the, are gonna be like, the cops all right, are all up. boots on ground immediately. <laughs> it's like Voldemort. You can't say terrorist. The whole movie's just Bruce Willis getting swatted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what if the whole movie is him playing Payday Two, Payday Two heists, and he does get swatted because someone on his Twitch stream is mad at him? <laughs> also, hey, I know Ellis was trying to be like cool and like help mm. the situation with his little thing. But he essentially doxed Bruce Willis, you know? I mean, like, oh, yeah. he fucked up the dynamic of not knowing the name, none of that. And I know that he thought he was doing it for a good reason. Uh, but no, nah, he just, uh, no. It straight it, up sucks. Yeah. Fuck, fuck Ellis. Hashtag fuck Ellis. It's going to be our hashtag for the week. Can we do that? <laughs> fuck Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag fuck Ellis. Hashtag fuck Ellis. Hashtag team McLean. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Big Mac. <laughs> We got to make some stan accounts if we're going to do this. Oh man, we're going to make some like fan we camps. Should, we should have more fun with our hashtags when we're posting stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. If you have any uh, hashtags to submit, tweet us. <laughs> hashtag tweet me. Yeah, tw- tweet us your favorite uh, your, your favorite hashtag for Die Hard One. Or is it matinee underscore midweek? So the other question I had for you guys, right, is like, what what would your ideal outfit be for this scenario? Because clearly John McClane is not in his, and I spent I a good know. amount of time thinking about what I would wear. I, you know, that's a really good question. Because like if you could plan to be in a building as it gets to by <laughs> armed guns, exactly, a Prada suit, <laughs> good choice, and seven armor. No, just a Prada just, suit. Okay, just not even an undershirt, just the soldier. suit itself. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I still find it weird that he didn't take time to put his shoes on. Yeah. Well, like, he could have... Well, I guess he couldn't because uh, old dude took up in Holly's office. Hans did. So I guess he couldn't have gotten back to his shoes. I thought his shoes but were in also, that room. Well, hold on. Because he had just he, taken a... Well, he, he could have grabbed his shoes before he ran across, but clearly that wasn't the most important thing on his mind. But I just realized what could be a plot, a plot hole in this movie. Okay. Before he knew anything about the wife and whatnot he looked down and saw that he didn't have shoes on if hans is set up in holly's office was it her office that's all i'm wanting to make sure of was it her office or a different office that he was cleaning up in because i think it was like if his shoes were in holly's office that he was set up in then wouldn't he look down see that he's barefoot and then when he and then think about wait a minute i saw shoes in this office Mm -hmm. and then think well maybe that means he's with this person someone here is the reason he's here and then try to figure out who right i don't know i i didn't think i thought they went to like a bathroom it wasn't a bathroom it was an office that had stuff in it weirdly oh no it was ellis's because she mentions that she's gunning for his private bathroom so i would have to imagine that it was his because he would have the private bathroom all right there we go nailed it you nailed it also another small detail that i really thought was going to go unused in the movie and because i thought it was a throwaway line that was more about her success is the talk about the watch and being like show him the watch and he's like i'm sure i'll see it later and then he has to use it to make hans fall i I just i like Uh, it's dumb mm. but i like shit like that i like that it was mentioned and then later he's like oh he's holding on to her because of her okay if we just get rid of this watch he doesn't have anything to anchor his hand it was cool i liked it 
Yeah, no, yeah. that was really smart. I actually hadn't even put that together until you mentioned it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I See, that too. That's the shit I like in movies. I like when movies go out of their way to be like, oh, you know that one thing we did? Guess what, motherfucker? Bam, right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like that. Uh, Ugh, context, context, bam. So here's your weird piece of trivia, Ooh, and then okay. you can go wherever you want to with it. Um, there's a long run, like a, a super long running joke between me and my wife that I'm uh, what they call a super recognizer, where I can see people, even in real life, not even actors, just people that I can I can see them once, get a decent idea of them, and then see them months later and be like, oh, that was that guy that we saw there, and and she's just like, how do you do that? And how do you know? In this movie, it's been probably since 2010 that i've watched bill and ted's excellent adventure um but the guy and i caught his name because i was curious uh i didn't catch it until the credits uh when i was looking through and i was like that seems like the most likely name for his character the guy was named yuli he's the guy that looked like a mid-eastern kind of like uh uh, i mean really the way he was set up he kind of looked like a mongol and that's what made (laughs) me laugh because i said uh, somebody invited Genghis Khan, and as soon as I said it, I looked. I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "That looks like the dude who played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure." If they go back in time and grab. And when the movie's credits rolled, I saw that his name was Yuli, and I was like, "That's probably him." And I went and looked it up. Same actor, and that movie Damn. came out a year later. So he uh, he rocked that look for a good bit, made a good, good penny off of it. And also that ties back into Josh's thing, though technically pops a little bit of a hole in it. Um, a lot of the bad guys get some time and, and energy poured into them. Yuli was not one of them. No, we pretty much see not. him eating a candy bar, which I did like. He was eating that crunch bar real good. Um, I did like that scene because <laughs> I watched that scene and I was like, that is exactly what I would have done. Like, how have you not already taken a candy bar? <laughs> yeah Uh, but then we don't see him really again until the scene where he's hurting everyone up to take them to the roof i wonder how much candy he had to eat before they had enough footage (laughs) (laughs) my guys we're gonna need to do a couple different angles here so man's just just not feeling well by the end of uh bars down yeah that was Uh, his one requirement going into bill and ted it's like, guys, listen, no scenes where I have to eat chocolate, please. <laughs> you and like, tell you what we'll it. do. We'll, 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 you love to use clubs, right? We're going to put you in a, in a store where you're going to use bats. And he's like, that's cool. I can swing bats in a million times. But then after he left that movie, the next movie, it was like, guys, no fucking bats. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I genuinely don't have too much more. I think we went through a lot of what Die Hard is. Does anyone have anything else they want to go through? Not really. I'm good. Has anyone seen any of the other Die Hard movies? I have uh, seen, I've seen a couple of them. I've seen Live Free Die Hard, if I'm remembering correctly. It's the one that has Justin Long in it. Oh, okay. good. Um, With- and it was weird because I saw it. I saw Die Hard 1 first when I was young, and then I didn't watch any of the other ones. And then was, for some reason, I went to the movie theaters to watch <laughs> Live Free Die Hard as a teenager. Uh, <laughs> hmm. But yeah, I, I was I, just. I was just curious if uh, the follow-up ones, because this is one of those movies that I feel like works excellently as a one-off and doesn't need a sequel, and mm-hmm. the sequel has to be really good to justify it, and I'm curious if the sequels actually justify it, because it kind of feels like the way this movie sets off, the dude is going to work on his relationship and not get into 
four more extremely violent death-defying escapades yep <laughs> and there uh, is some ridiculous shit in live free or die hard like, yeah, r- like so ramping bad. a car into a helicopter hell yeah i mean it's hey you know <laughs> So it's like Fast and the Furious, basically, just continuous escalation. Yes, where the first movie's really probably the best one and the only one that's mm. probably genuinely a good okay. movie. What? Whoa. Yeah, Fast Whoa. Five is literally the best heist movie ever made. Are you fucking out of your mind? Yeah, but okay, also, wow. whoa. Uh, but- oh, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Have you seen The Dark Knight? Suddenly, yes. the, the problem is, is that for that movie, for that franchise to keep going, it had to completely change its identity. Mm. Completely. And they yeah, tried doing it with a little bit of grace. Like, well, in the second movie, we're going to have Tyrone keep saying he's hungry. And we hungry. And <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's like the line that I remember from that movie so much for some reason is, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> I've heard but, that as a meme. I didn't know it was from that. It's also yeah. Tyrese. And he says it like one time in the movie, doesn't he? Oh, or I twice. I, I, it is Tyrese, sorry. And I, I, Tyrone has been. I know why. I watch. There's a video of some dude who calls himself Tyrone and plays games and, and says ridiculous shit like, I ain't gay, but I'm going to suck that dick. I don't know if you've ever seen the video. It makes me crack up every time that I watch it. The but, Too Fast, Too Furious thing, he's. um, And at one point, they're, if I remember, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but he's like, um, I'm going to do this job because we hungry, because you don't have any money, basically. And at the end, he stole a bunch of money. He's like, we're eating now. I think that was like. It. I think that was the whole thing. Oh no, he says it again after like, midway through the job. At one point, when they're meeting back up at like the mansion of the guy, yeah, yeah. Like he literally, be, he does say it throughout the whole movie, but he literally stops and goes, "Like I said, we hungry." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either um, way, my point about that is that they had to make that so much not about street racing which is totally the primary focus of the main of the first movie it's like all tied into underground street racing and all the stuff that comes with that uh and then it became like well now you got to be doing jobs of course there was a police element but it was all about getting the police to invade like the underground street racing league well, the first to get was, somebody you know was there more than one actual street race in the movie there's two right maybe well, yeah, but I mean, I guess to say the whole movie is about that lifestyle and people doing things that are unsavory within that lifestyle. Sure. And you see that in like the way they choose to build up the cars. And it's got very much the need for speed underground setup. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that has to have happened here as well. Because like Josh said, when you're watching this movie and you're seeing this, it's like, this is a man who, because of a very traumatic situation uh, that has gone on way too far, he's realized that he's been in the wrong this whole time with his wife, and now he's going to start working on it. And then we're just to believe that pretty much immediately after, the same man just says, like, bye, baby, got to go save the world, and just yeah. gets into another incredibly unlikely situation. So, I mean, so something has to change in that. They have to kind of change what the core of the movie is. He goes from being a cop who is just meant to be like a normal everyday cop who happens to just be pretty smart and got in a situation where he can save himself to where in the next movies it's like, oh, by the way, I'm essentially Jesus with guns. The Passion <laughs> of the Christ too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, the ones that I've seen, they fall into the trap that every movie – falls in that has a sequel is it needs to get bigger otherwise why and they need to make up make up reasons it's the same reason why they ruined the paranormal activity movies Mm because they needed to get bigger 
because it yeah. can't just be five movies about us, uh, one ghost in a house. Exactly. He's a Otherwise, people are going to start being you? like, why the hell am I still watching this? That'd be yeah. like if every Marvel movie never ended up connecting at all, and they were just like, oh, we're going to have Ant-Man, and then we're never going to do another sequel to Ant-Man, and then we're going to do Eggman. <laughs> Wouldn't that... Wouldn't you that know. have been a brilliant troll on Marvel's part if they just built up this MCU and then just one day ended it and they're like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why don't you just see our fucking movies, dude? <laughs> Jeez, nerd, relax. Still waiting for the Bible Calm man. Calm down, movie. nerd. You got your books. For the Bible man movie? Hell yeah, <laughs> man. You never watched Bible man as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's a movie uh, I love called It is called real bad. <laughs> That features Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, that what was it? Safe space and snowflake. <laughs> I'm sorry. That shit's just so funny to me. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. I honestly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. the Marvel characters. Yeah, that is the most oh. funny shit I have Could, ever seen. You didn't need to bring that. Night it's yet. so. <laughs> It's one of those things know. that sounds like someone who's bad at jokes is like trying to make trying fun to of make, like what they yeah. think like social justice is, but it's and like, then it's way more funny that it's meant to be serious. I I don't know why <laughs> it just is. When I first saw it, I think it was on either Discord or Twitter or whatever. I was like, oh, here we go, someone's making shit up again or something. And then I, I like, thought the Wait, same thing. Nope, it's real and it's worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was someone trying to make something that was not actually Marvel, but say it was so that it'd get a bunch of people heated but while Marvel were like, ah, no, that's not real. Yeah. Uh, and then when it was like, now it's like, like, no, this is real. This is what we're doing. It's like, mm-hmm. And we're going off on a tangent, but whatever. This was a relatively short episode. I'm reading this comic book series called Renato Jones, and it is mm. so fucking good. And it is super left, like, super left. And it's not cringy and it's not bad. It's about fucking... It's basically if Batman killed one percenters. Mm. That's the whole pitch. Interesting. But it's done... I love it already. It's done so <laughs> well that even someone like me who has a tendency to roll their eyes at stuff like that, it's like, yo, I'd... I'll spend the fifty dollars to read this whole series. Let's go, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's that. In any of that stuff, I think if you can find a way to make it compelling and not like you were just trying to be as on the nose as possible, right? It's and there's there is there is they, they could have done the exact same thing that they did and not named the characters Snowflake and Safe Space and <laughs> painstakingly made sure that they named them that. <laughs> While also having them be like common things right now, with one of them being, I think they're they're both supposed to be trans, if I'm remembering right. I don't want to misinterpret, but I think that that's, it was like all of it together just made it feel where it's so on the nose that it comes off as a joke. Yeah. So yeah. then when it's when it's found to be that someone was trying to do it in an attempt to be serious and help something, it's so hard not to want to laugh more. Like, what the hell did you think this was going to help? Right. Yeah. Did you talk to anybody before releasing this? Yeah, it's like if you made a movie about how elves, let's just pull a fictional you know, <laughs> race in, about how elves are not all that bad, but you just basically tapped into a bunch of stereotypes, didn't talk to any elves, and were like, I've got a pretty good understanding of what elves are and what they like and what they'd like to be represented as. I, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it didn't help that the art style was just really bad too. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
well, I guess I don't really have anything else to say other than that I was genuinely surprised at how much I enjoyed rewatching it and yeah. how mm-hmm. much I realized I didn't really again this I think the podcast kind of makes me I found that I already watch movies with these eyes but I just don't tend to watch very many movies yeah mm. so since I'm here now and I watch things this way maybe even a little bit more because of the podcast the podcast having me rewatch movies is making me see interesting things in movies I probably wouldn't have bothered rewatching. Honestly, yeah. Same. No, that's cool. So, I mean, speaking of that, what how, what would you rate it? What was, what's your rating on the movie? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's it feels weird to give an action movie like a really high rating to me, and I don't know why. I guess it's because I'm. Like I mentioned, I think so many action movies are just mindless and meant to be fun mm-hmm. with no care about anything else. But I think this movie does a lot. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Wow. Okay. How about you, Josh? Uh, I I also gave it a four out of five. I, I think uh, I, I, I meant to mention this to uh, one of Brett's points earlier about the whole, you know, with Hans not being deep, I think this whole movie is like that. It doesn't have to be deep to still just be yes. a lot of fun and really fluid and effective and it's still well made it doesn't have to be like you know this big epic statement it can just be a fun movie that's really good at being a fun movie and i think this this succeeds at doing that so yeah right this is one of those movies where like you can be bored and put this on and it's not a chore you know there are movies where it's like okay this is kind of much and mm-hmm. I don't feel this is like that at all. Well, to cap- to kind of tap into what he's saying, I actually think it says a lot about this movie that while it's still not the most deep thing in the world, I still think it's like, it's like hands and foot above most action movies that I've seen. Oh, 100%. And, yeah, I agree. While not being just like the most deep movie I've ever seen. It's it's interesting that it exists in that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, Josh, what was your rating there? Uh, it was four out of five. Right, I'm sorry, you said that. Blake, how about you? I'm going to have to go. I think y'all going to be disappointed. <laughs> Four out of five. Wow. Okay, well, Chris, that means you're the only person that we got to see if you, if we have a universal. So it is a clean sweep of four out of fives. Oh, shit. It is a really good movie, but it is not a masterpiece. Like It's the second week in a row we've all rated the same. Oh, yes, you're I, right. we all I also Chris, give it. Chris was not there to undercut the <laughs> Once Upon a Time so, in America. Because I knew, okay. I, I kept thinking to myself, if Chris was here this week, there's no way this would be a clean sweep. <laughs> what What do you guys think I would have thought of that movie? That's I'm curious. Because Honestly, I, yeah. I think that you would have, I think you would have given it as high as you could, except for the fact that the time would have been too much for you. Yeah. So I mm. I feel like you probably would have given it a three and a half. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, because my my big thing and like I don't know what you guys told them. I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I I went on a nice little vacation and <laughs> I know for a fact that like I wouldn't have finished that movie for the show. I know it. I can't. <laughs> I I don't know. I I would have like tried. It would have taken me like watching it over four days because that's just too long for me. I, I'll admit when I. Go I'll ahead. admit when I saw that runtime, I felt a little bit like this was entrapment. Like, goddamn, Blake. <laughs> I did too. I, and I by le- the time that we yeah. were done with it, I have never. I, I've seen. I must say, never. I've seen very few movies that I think earn every second of their runtime. Wow. Yeah. 
So what did you guys give the movie? Four or five? Fives. All around. Yeah, all fives. fives? Yeah. Damn, I guess I got to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's real wild. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, something that just randomly hopped in my mind, and I forgot that I even put it in my notes. I was just scanning through. This is going to be the weirdest thing, and I don't know if any of y'all even know who this is, though I would imagine that at least one of you do. Sure. Alan Rickman in this movie, uh, his look the beard now not necessarily the swooped hair even though it's still not far off uh but his mannerisms and the way that he kind of did his stuff it reminded me so much of anthony jesselnick yes oh man <laughs> oh, my god. oh that it killed me. the whole time i was watching i was like oh my god definitely with the beard this just looks like anthony jesselnick in his fire in the maternity ward special Oh my God, Anthony Jeselnik is incredible. It, it it blew my mind. I was like, it's uncanny. I was like, clearly that's Alan Rickman. But there were so many moments in the movie where I was like, you're fucking kidding me. That's Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> Just waiting for Anthony to make a joke about like dropping babies or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's Alan Rickman cosplaying as Anthony Jeselnik for the movie. <laughs> I started wondering if Anthony Jeselnik had kind of built his character off of Hans Gruber. <laughs> I was like, did he get his mannerisms from Hans Gruber? Like, is he a huge diehard fan? And I was unaware. <laughs> Because it was just like, dude, some of them were so uncanny. Like, definitely some, like, when Hans is at his most quippy. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's so Anthony Jeselnik. The way that he's, like, holding his eyes and mouth and, like, looking up. And, I'm like, it's just weird. Uncanny. Super. Did you guys, did you guys, you guys watch the roasts, I'm assuming, the Comedy Central ones? I watched yeah. plenty. I've not seen them. Uh, I've seen a lot of them. I love them. And they have, Jeff Ross has a show for just roasting and Is anthony just battles yes roast battles i sp- i think i spent like three weeks watching it and then re-watching it because that shit is so funny to me and he's <laughs> top tier rest in peace greg geraldo he was the best but mm-hmm. anyway how will we end the show uh <laughs> whose turn is it to pick now oh yes i think it's brett's Oh shit! I, I've come woefully unprepared. Oh, actually, I know what I want to watch. Uh, I don't know that anybody has it. It's called "The Killing of a Sacred Deer." I do have it. Mm. Woo! Fucking. But awesome. also, it's on Prime. Sweet. And right. Netflix, so everybody can check it out. Uh, I've been meaning to watch that actually, dude. It's just it, I have seen the, the little gif of the of the kid eating spaghetti so many yeah. times. <laughs> uh, and I remember the first time that I was kind of like, what the fuck is that from? And I looked into it and I Dude. watched the trailer. I was like, oh, this looks really good. It's so <laughs> And then good. I've never Darn gotten it. around yeah. to it. I'm excited so, to watch it again. Yeah, it nice. uh, came out cool. in 2017, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it stars Colin Farrell as a doctor. Uh, and I, I don't want to say too much more, actually. Uh, but it is, I'd say it's a thriller. I mean, oh. Blake, what would you kind of categorize it as i guess since you yeah i often see it put under horror and stuff but i don't think that it's horror i think thriller is definitely where where it fits the best i think there are some horrific aspects i guess but yeah i think think we talked about is so many people view thrillers uh, definitely psychological thrillers in the vein of horror i'm kind of bad about it myself so uh but yeah there we go killing of a sacred deer and apparently it's on prime so uh, anybody who's got amazon which i know is a lot of people you have an avenue to watch it and if if it being on prime it also means that worst case scenario you can rent it if you want to chime in with us next week uh, and give us your thoughts so definitely sweet all right well Thanks for joining us. I've sorry, been... hold on, real quick. Oh, I'm God so sorry. Damn it. It's not on Prime like... anymore. It's just on Netflix. 
Oh, well, that's... Uh, right. But you oh, can rent on it on Prime still. Yeah, it's on Netflix. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, it's probably easier for everyone. Cool. Well, Brett, why don't you take us out of here? All right. Well, guys, like Chris said, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to be part of our social media gatherings and uh, send us your best hashtag for, uh, I really, I'm, I'm almost curious if we can get at least one person to do it. Uh, That'd be nice. Though I still think we should have our own. Send us your best hashtag for diehard. <laughs> uh, then you can head over to Twitter, like we mentioned earlier, at matinee underscore midweek. You can also find us on Facebook over at Midweek Matinee, and that's a group page over there where we share things as well on the Twitter, like screenshots for the movie that Blake pulls, and he does a great job at doing so, uh, as well as a lot of the things that we do on Twitter, like polls and whatnot. Uh, If you want to support the show further, the first thing you could do is if you're listening to this on a podcast service that has a rating system, give us a rating. Let us know what you think of the show, as well as letting other people know what you think of the show so that they can see and judge whether it's worth their time or or not. Uh, and lastly, you can support the show even further by going to patreon.com slash nartech and becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month, which gets you shout outs at the end of every episode that we do, like I'll be getting into shortly, as well as every episode of this show a week in advance. So you can stunt on people and, uh, you know, talk about all the cool stuff that we talked about and rub it in their face. No, don't do that. Uh, but you can just enjoy the content a little bit earlier. And if you like uh, gaming, then you can find me on my weekly gaming podcast, Triangle Squared, which is also under that same Patreon uh, where you can get some cool stuff there. So with that, this has been Midweek Matinee, and we're going to get over to the Patreons. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and El Chabib. Thank you so much. Still great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you say we make it a double feature? What else do you rent? Die Hard 2. <laughs> Joey, this is Die Hard 1 again. Oh. But we watch it a second time and it's Die Hard 2. <laughs> Joey, we just saw it. And? And it would be cool to see it again. Yeah! Die Hard! <laughs> Dude, you didn't say Die Hard. Is everything okay? Yeah, I just got, uh, I got plans. Well, John McClane had plans. Now, you see, the thing is, I want to get out of here before Joey gets all worked up and starts calling everybody bitch. What are you talking about, bitch? 
Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.